Here is personal finance expert Rabina Ahmed Hawk, who uh, joins us now. Hey there, Rabina. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, we're going to start with, I know, uh, one of your favorite topics, which is buy now and pay later. And we are hearing that uh, particularly younger consumers are really being kind of targeted by companies with this scheme. Yeah. So these buy now, pay later programs, they often target very small purchases. So it could be a couple of hundred bucks. It's often something that's consumable. So the idea that once you purchase it and use it, it's not worth very much. So if you buy that top and then wear it on a Friday night, the next day, you can't really sell it for the same price. Now, I'm not against people borrowing money to do good things uh, like buy a car or mortgage a house or go to school. But smaller purchases, especially these buy now, pay later programs, uh, they're not regulated. And young people especially can get themselves into a lot of financial trouble because they do a $60 purchase there that they buy now, pay later. They do 150 there. They do, you know, a, a several of them. And if you're not able to pay them off in full, they can get really expensive. Yeah. How did this uh, start becoming a, a thing? This kind of reminds me of we've seen this at the grocery store uh, in the last uh, few years that uh, buy one, it's this price, but buy three and uh, you're going to save. Well, what's happened is since the pandemic started is more and more of us are buying online. And so we know online shopping exploded during the pandemic for all those different reasons that we know about. Uh, you know, people were safely staying at home. Uh, online is more convenient. Uh, people were worried about going to the grocery store or to the clothing store. And so these programs became uh, more accessible because the only way you really get access to it is if you do it online. And so there are a number of different companies, Afterpay, uh, Klarna, pay bright sizzle and you'll sizzle I think it's pronounced um, and you'll notice that it's right at the end when you've made your decision on what you're going to buy that the option to do the buy now pay later and they've become more popular because there's been just so much more online shopping and it's just a couple of clicks away there's no real check that's done whether you can afford that purchase there's no real uh, information given if, if you don't pay it out on time how much it's going to cost you and so now analysts are saying that this is really raising concerns especially for young people and their finances who may feel like they can manage all these different buy now pay later uh, purchases but in the end uh, they might end up uh, having too many small bills that they have to pay that they can't afford and this is something where we're seeing a lot of uh, retailers uh, partner with uh, some of these uh, companies uh, financial uh, companies uh, uh, apple by the way i think just the uh, latest to enter this market they announced earlier this week that there's going to be a buy now pay later option uh, for apple pay yeah, Apple Pay is also something that is very risky in my, uh, in my opinion. I have Apple Pay on my phone and I realize how easy it is to just scroll, scroll, scroll and just tap the button and I've got face ID and that's it. I've purchased whatever it is that's on my phone. And so Apple is entering the buy now, pay later, uh, game. Companies that have already signed up for these kind of programs, the Bay, Steve Madden, um, you know, these companies where we shop at all the time online and it's really easy to over purchase. I mean, it's really easy, especially at a department store to buy too many things. And then once they arrive at your door, you may not know, you know, you may not need them or want them. And then the, the process of returning it means going back into the store. I know with the Bay, for example, you have to go in store to return it. And if you don't, then all of a sudden you've got this bill for this item that you didn't even really want. You're just kind of, you know, in the mood when you were scrolling on your couch. 
it's a pretty uh, dangerous way to manage your finances. I really do recommend, just like I do with the credit card, that smaller purchases should be made with money that you already have. So it has to already be in your bank account, whether you're charging it to a credit card or doing this buy now, pay later program. The problem with the buy now, pay later is that it's many months in the future that you're going to pay it off, whereas the credit card comes the next month. So if you can uh, afford to uh, sign out a credit, like to, to, if you are 18 plus and, and you can uh, qualify for a credit card, I would say if you, you know, you're doing a lot of online shopping, that's a much better way to organize your finances. It still gives you some time to pay it off in full without getting interest charged uh, than to get into these programs. Because um, if you don't pay, they're going to charge you fees and interest. So is this one of the downfalls, one of the pitfalls of moving more and more to a cashless society? Certainly there's convenience there, as you were sharing just a moment ago, Rabina, when it comes to using uh, Apple Pay and Face ID. But you also don't have, uh, I think what a lot of experts call almost like a physical pain of handing over money, physical money that you've earned. And sometimes that makes you think twice before you make that purchase. So there absolutely is evidence that if you shop with cash, you spend less. And I've often used this example of when I showed up at the, um, the agriculture fair, the Royal Agricultural Fair. Is that what it's called? I can't ever remember the exact title. Uh, when I showed up at a fair downtown and it was a cash only situation and I forgot my credit card. Or sorry, I, uh, I didn't bring any cash with me. I only had my credit card. And between my husband and I, we had 60 bucks and we made it work. We made that 60 bucks work. And I really did realize when we got back on the go train, I said, you know, if we had had our credit cards, we probably would have bought, you know, some knickknacks for the kids, more food that we, that we, then we needed. We were very targeted into how we were spending. So if you do have the propensity to spend more because of your credit card, take some cash out before you go to an event or before you go on a holiday and stay within the budget that way. It absolutely does, you know, keep you on track of how much you're spending. You realize, oh, the money in the wallet's getting less and less. I've got less opportunity to spend so I better be a little bit more careful the credit card is like an unlimited ocean of spending that you can do depending on where your limit is and the problem is is that the the pain doesn't come until the credit card bill arrives which is three four weeks later and you can't go back and rectify anything because you've already done the purchasing yeah just finally these buy now pay later schemes they are catching the attention we understand of regulators as well do we need some sort of regulation when it comes to this uh, i mean for example uh would it be a little more clear to those that are uh, buying how much the item is actually costing you if you use buy now pay later if you saw physically on the screen hey if you buy it now it's 60 dollars, but if you buy now and pay later this item's actually going to end up costing you i don't know like 89.99 yeah, I mean, there's different ways that they could make it safer for buy now, pay later programs to operate. Definitely, it needs to be regulated and they need to know who they are lending money to. Like, are they giving my 10 year old daughter uh, the ability to sign up for these buy now, pay later programs? Um, I've never done it, so I don't know exactly how much information they gather from you, uh, but they should be able to A, know that you can afford to make that purchase and also know whether you are abusing this service, you know, so whether you're using many of these different buy now, pay later programs that are available and that you actually owe quite a big sum of money and maybe this purchase is not affordable to you and they decline your, uh, they decline your, uh, your, your, um, application, if you want to call it, uh, to, 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 to get into that program for that purchase. So absolutely, it needs to be regulated. When it comes to money, everything should be regulated. You shouldn't just be able to lend money or borrow money without somebody watching uh, that that is making sure it's happening in the in the safest way possible. 
Joined by Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Uh, Rabina, also making news here on this Wednesday, uh, the investment industry. They are asking for more details from the CRA, the Canadian Revenue Agency, about this proposed tax free savings account that could be used by first time uh, home buyers. This was introduced in the federal budget, if you remember, uh, earlier this year. But uh, details, uh, they're not plentiful right now? They're not plentiful at all. So currently, the federal government has not even published draft legislation. So nobody really knows exactly how it's going to work. It's called the Tax-Free First Home Savings Account. And just to give you a high level of refresher, it is for those people under the age of 40 to save up to $40,000 that would be in a registered account like your RESP or RRSP or TFSA. Um, It's money that you put in after tax and it can grow uh, tax free, rather, sorry, it's money that you put in that you get that tax refund back on and the money can grow tax free and you can take that money out depending on how you invested it uh, without having to pay any tax on it and use it towards that first purchase. You could do up to $8,000 a year. There is a time limit uh, according to the budget of how long that account can be open before you have to uh, before you have to uh, get rid of it. Uh, but there's the, the finance industry is saying we don't have any rules. Like what happens if somebody dies? What happens if somebody doesn't buy a house? What happens if, if you know, all these different questions that they have, they don't know how to actually make this product available, which is supposed to be available to, to Canadians as of 2023. Right. And isn't time of the essence here? Because I would think that this uh, measure was put in place to help particularly those under 40 uh, first time uh, home buyers be able to uh, save for down payment, which has become increasingly tougher with these rising house prices. Yes, and there is a lot of criticism about what the acronym FHSA is for. I mean, if you think about it, first of all, $40,000 is not enough down payment for most places in Canada to buy a house, right? That's not going to get you, in some cases, even to 5%. Secondly, what young person has $40,000 lying around that they can invest into this account and make good, you know, decisions about where the money can grow the best over time? You can only have the account open for 15 years. So your time horizon isn't even that long. It's not like the TFSA or the RRSP that you can start at a really young age and you can take some risk in the beginning because you've got time on your side. There is, you know, you've got to be a lot more focused on what you're actually investing in in order to make sure that you have the best result at the end. And so many people are saying this is going to benefit kids whose parents have deep pockets. So they may be working in a full-time job, but their parents are helping pay their rent and their groceries and their other living costs. And that's why they have this extra money that they can put into this account, which will grow tax-free. And so it's not really helping low income and those people who are, are more desperate when it comes to um, have finding avenues to get onto the property ladder. All right. Got to leave it there for now. Rabina, many thanks for this. And want to remind everybody, uh, you're on the radio. You're here uh, later tonight uh, hosting On Point. Yes, I'll be On Point. I'll be hosting On Point tonight from 7 to 10 p.m. So I hope you uh, join us on the journey tonight. You know, when you're driving around your car, why not uh, tune into AM 640 and hear my lovely voice for three hours? (laughs) You bet. Uh, Rabina, look forward to that. And thanks again for this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.